Greg Kelly. The latest breaking news and opinions. Entertaining and informative. Hi, everybody. Uh, So one year ago today, we lost Rush Limbaugh. What a giant. What a man. He changed America for the better. He changed broadcasting for the better forever. Um, What can you say? I am privileged to have met him once. One time, uh, I saw him speak at another occasion. I didn't meet him that day. It was up in Tarrytown, uh, Tapan on the Hudson. It's a big wedding venue, and Roger Ailes was receiving an award from the Boy Scouts. And uh, there was a big ceremony and a big event, and uh, Rush Limbaugh, who was a dear friend of Roger's, they really stuck by each other and gave the most amazing speech. I've never seen anything like it, quite frankly. I've never seen anyone speak like this. He had no notes, and, I mean, it was better than anything Ronald Reagan could do, the great communicator. Um, again, the no notes, and the it was from the heart. He just spoke about America and Roger, and it was funny, and it was moving, and it was so beautifully delivered, and it was it was humbling because I realized when I watched him do that, I said, I, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. You know, sometimes when you see supreme talent, it's awesome. You know, you enjoy it, and it's then, then it's a little bit like, wow, uh, no, I can't, I won't be able to achieve that. And, um, and that's fine because Rush Limbaugh is just he's an icon, will be an icon, is an icon. Well, and we lost him a year ago now. Oh, and the second time I met him was in November of 2019. Oh, the first time I met him. I saw him once, all right? I was just in the audience, and wow, blown away. And then I was able to tell him about that that moment. And it was in November of 2019. I was in the Trump golf course down in, I think it's called Trump International, but it's in West Palm Beach. And I was having lunch, not to drop names, but with Andrew Giuliani at that club. And we had an appointment to have lunch, and we're having a nice lunch. We're both in Palm Beach at the same time, and uh, he invites me to the club, and everything's going great. And Andrew says, uh, did you see the president? I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm conflating a couple of things here. That was later. Uh, that's a true story, too. But, no, <laughs> the time I met it was – the time I met Rush was at that club. Trump was there, but Andrew Giuliani wasn't. That came later. I was actually with Chris Ruddy, the owner of Newsmax, and uh, having lunch at that club. And all of a sudden, in walks Donald Trump. And he was president at the time, 2019. The guy just fills the room, obviously. He had just come off the course. And, uh, hello, how are you? Good, good, good. Oh, Greg, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, the Channel 5. I remember. How's Rosanna? What's going on? And that was very nice. But about eight steps behind him was Rush Limbaugh. So it's interesting. You know, you're on pins and needles when you're talking to the the president. And so I kind of, you know, he started talking to Chris and some other people. So I kind of drifted back like, phew, okay, now I can talk to. Well, who should I talk to? I'll talk to you. Hey, oh, Rush Limbaugh. How you doing? Yeah, nice to see you. Now, if I had met Rush Limbaugh under other circumstances, if the president was in the room, it would be like, oh, my gosh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, uh, uh. But I was like, oh, yeah, it's just you and me, Rush. Yeah, what do you think? There he is. And he was like, wow, there he is. He's like, look at this guy. He's a he's a, a one of a kind. You know, he seemed to be marveling at him uh, in real time. You know, he, he understood that this was a historic kind of 
all, more than historic, a once-in-a-thousand-year type figure. And there he was. And uh, so I told him, hey, I saw you speak at that event for Roger Rails. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, sure. And um, that was about it. I uh, seemed to have a real zest for life. And I do notice this, and I think it's okay to say, but I think he had fantastic taste in women. Uh, he was married a couple of times. Uh, didn't always, but I'm talking about like he and I had a very similar eye. All right, let's just put. You know what I mean? We we found we like the same kind of woman. <laughs> I just it was. I didn't bring that up, but he dated this woman. Um, what was her name? Dagan? No. Uh, what was her name? Oh, she was on CNN for McDagan, Dagan, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Who am I talking about? That anchor on CNN. Long time ago, back before they went totally woke and crazy. Darren Kagan, I think her name was. Let me double check. And I I, uh, I thought she was amazing, too. And Rush dated her uh, when he was single. And his late wife, absolutely beautiful. And another moment that was awesome, when Donald Trump awarded uh, Rush the Medal of Freedom at the State of the Union address i just thought it was such an awesome thing to do you know i think rush deserved it it was just a surprise i think it was a surprise actually i asked uh, this question did rush know and i basically have been told that he knew ahead of time but i don't i choose not to believe that i think it was a great big surprise and we have anything from rush let's listen to that uh vincent thanks for the call ladies and gentlemen i must express total surprise to you uh, I was prepared. Here I am, find myself in the capital of the corridor of the liberal intelligentsia of this country. I expected to sit down on this, my first day at the great WABC, and to listen to phone calls from you anti-Americans <laughs> out there who were salivating finally at an opportunity to beat up on this country and to show how military force, maybe it's the California influence, but where I'm from in California, the peace crowd reigns supreme, and anything they do, front page coverage. And I thought, well, if it's that big in California, it'd be huge here. Uh, and I know that you people are out there, you anti-Americans in this. I'm amazed to get a call that wants to give Ronald Reagan credit, and mm. that's, the, that's not a very fashionable thing to do these days. So quite an education for me. We'll continue in just a moment. WABC 17 before 11. Wow. Back when he first went on, I guess I was in the, what, the early 90s? So uh sounds a little bit different. His voice changed, obviously, over the years. But that's Rush. Hey, here's something else about Rush. He was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Compel- funny. Um, edgy, of course. But he was en- he was entertaining. That was the real key to Rush. A lot of folks didn't understand that. He was entertaining. He was fun to listen to. He was fun to watch. On that TV show, oh, my God, the hooting and hollering and, man, the Clinton bashing. And he did a really good, he did a really good impression of, of Bubba, you know, Bill Clinton. He really did. Uh, that show is fantastic. I think it was executive produced by Roger Ailes. So, um, and finally, you know what? This is really a nice little gift that kind of just came my way. Uh, I happened to meet Rush's brother. David, David Limbaugh, who from time to time would fill in on Rush's show for Rush, appear as a guest and also as a guest host. And uh, he's a very successful author. He represents a number of people in the media. He's a very talented attorney. 
And now he is my representative. We work together. David Limbaugh, a great man. It's an honor to just kind of to be working with him. It's kind of mind-blowing in a way. Limbaugh, you know, and, and he's just a great guy, and he loves his brother. I know he misses his brother, um, and America misses him too. I mean, really, who do you turn to now? Now, all due respect to everybody in media right now, the radio, me, uh, those guys who, you know, you need two to replace one. It's just, it's not the same. I know it. You know it. It's not the same. And uh, we're we're at a disadvantage because he's gone. And too early these days. How old was he? 73? I mean, uh, now that's suddenly, if, you, if you're gone before 80, it's really premature. And even 80, people are living longer than ever before. Hey, here's something about Rush. And if you listen to his show, you heard him talk about this. He found Christ. Uh, I think he was born Christian, but like a lot of us, you know, okay. Um, then you, uh, it doesn't, it's not such a priority in your life, right? You kind of go through the, I went through that phase. Uh, about It lasted about, let's see, 37 years <laughs> where I didn't really think too much of it, but a rush thought an awful lot about it, and I think he was saved, and I believe he's in heaven right now. So, and hearing Rush talk about it, talk about his faith so openly and honestly, it, it helped me on my faith journey, very much so. And uh, it's it's just the it, it it's available to all of us. I I know in my heart that Rush is saved, was saved, and he. Um, it's available to all of us through the Bible. Start reading. I know. The world says, don't do it. What are you going to do that stuff for? Wouldn't you rather have fun? Wouldn't you rather do the stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing, but no one's getting hurt? It's okay. Yeah. Now, you know about that church stuff, right? Ah, Come on. Didn't you hear that story? Look at this. Look at this story about a priest. Oh, gosh. Here we go again. I saw a story about one of those guys. You know, somebody once insulted me in church. Hey, you know, I know someone who went to church, and it turns out they're a great big hypocrite, you know? So I want nothing to do with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm off the hook. I told myself all of that. All of that. What a dummy. What a silly person. You let men and women and, and, and the world tell you that the greatest, most freeing experience that you can have is somehow tainted, is somehow beneath you. Wow. The world really is a corrupt place. All right. So we miss Rush. And I know, Irene, I certainly do know. I know you're on my list today. Hey, by the way, January and February are great months of the year. You know what it is? Those are the mo- those are the months like let's face it, you're everyone's a little bit freaked out by the new year. That's when you dig in and you clean up everything you got to clean up. Some people call it spring cleaning. I do it between I do it in January and February. And the end of February is a really uh, big time for me. That's like the launching point for the rest of the year. Uh, I know that should be January 3rd, right? <laughs> or January 1st. I don't put that kind of pressure on myself. I just like to take a little bit more time. All right. So we miss Rush. If you want to call in, let me know your thoughts about that guy. So funny. Hey, do me a favor. Find a clip from the TV show. Back when he was, it was in the 1990s. It was right after Clinton became president. Hey, by the way, no matter what was going on in the world, he found a way he was interesting and entertaining. 
You know, I, I remember thinking, if George W. Bush gets elected, this guy won't have anything to talk about. Are you kidding? It just got more interesting. It just got more entertaining. It just got better. It just got better. It kept getting better. Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace, and we will be right back. Stay connected 24-7. Join the conversation. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. You know, the Durham probe, uh, the Durham probe is alive and well. It's a big deal. And the left, they're busy doing two things, either ignoring it, downplaying it, um, not understanding it, not bothering to understand it. And wow, it's very, very, very interesting because, well, they're, the, let's start with the lies. Everyone is now hiding behind a New York Times story. That says, oh, this is old news. We knew about Sussman. We knew about uh, uh, data mining. We knew about uh, Trump Tower. We knew about the other building. We knew about the White House. We No, you didn't. No, you did not. There wasn't a word about the White House in this Sussman indictment. All right? This is new information. Hillary Clinton is deceiving you. All right? She is deceiving you. She put a... Tweet out, linking, uh, sending a link to the Vanity Fair magazine that in turn had a link to the New York Times. And I'm looking at the guy who's lying his ass off. His name is Charlie Savage. And like a lot of other guys, they're boy, oh boy, they are clever. Now, I uh, the, the bad news is it's kind of boring. <laughs> the details of this stuff. You want to sit around and read filings all day? You want to sit around and read indictments all day? No. And that's what they're counting on, all right? So they do it, and they have it, and they'll lie about it or ignore it or do whatever they have to do to help the Democrats. That's what's happening right now. They're messing with the wrong Marine, though. (laughs) That's me. I noticed that MSNBC, now they finally, okay, what do we got to do here? Because we're not covering it now, and they're they're really taking us on for not covering it. What do we do? So very cleverly, they are firing back at Fox News. Not me. Now, they have made fun of me, Newsmax, a lot. They know who I am. They see the show. Uh, It's right there. Why aren't they picking on me? And that's fine that they're not picking on me. I, I I don't need any more heat than there already is. But I was surprised because I'm conspicuously left out. You know why? Because I'm getting it right. Because I did read that damn filing. Because I did read that damned indictment. And I'm not making the mistakes that our friends over at Fox News are making. You know, it's too much fun to buy suits and neckties and, I don't know, spend the multi-millions that they make over there than to dig down in these these documents and figure out what the hell is really going on, what's alleged, what's fact, what's truth, what is reported. They're just having too much fun being on TV and saying wild things. Now, there's enough wild things in the documents, all right? This is hot stuff. Don't ruin it by saying stuff that you can't back up. And that's what they've done. They've let themselves vulnerable to that. So I, I hear these all, all some of your favorites. They're saying things that are wrong or that have not been substantiated by Mr. Durham. All right. They're conflating a whole bunch of stuff. They're, they're putting it all into one big ball. Now, nowhere in this filing does it say that the Hillary Clinton campaign is paying the tech executive. 
It doesn't. It does say that the tech executive is paying the lawyer. Oh, who cares? It's it makes a difference. It does. And when you start making mistakes like that, that Fox is making all the time on this story, well, well, you you blow it. You shoot yourself in the foot. It calls into question everything else you're spouting off about. Kind of reminds me of, uh, I hate to say this, but all the president's men, Woodward and Bernstein, two great, what do we call them? Fabulous. They make stuff up. Fabulous. And um, these fabulous try to get hauled them in, but they got it wrong. They made so many mistakes. They didn't bring down the president, by the way. They were just le- they were just rece- the receivers of leaks. What do we call the receivers of leaks? We the fixers of leaks were plumbers. What do you call somebody who gets a leak? A leaky? No. Um, a bowl, a funnel, a bucket, a bucket. No, I kind of like that. A bucket. All right, let's do this. People want to talk about Rush? So do I. But before I do, is there something? Oh, Eric Adams is losing his mind right in front of our eyes. <laughs> I told you. I told you this guy had no business being mayor. And now I'm actually, I think that Eric is finally realizing he has no business being mayor. There's so much more to this job than wearing nice suits and sunglasses and fooling a bunch of well-intentioned white liberals. All right? Sorry. Your calls when I come back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. You guys see this quarterback who, uh, oh, my gosh. All right, so who the hell is this quarterback from the Rams? Uh, what's his name? Stafford? Hey, you listening to this, uh, Dino? So Stafford is, uh, he just won the Super Bowl. I could care less. And by the way, pretty soon he could care less. I just was listening or reading about Deion Sanders. He wins the Super Bowl. And uh, like 20 minutes later, he's like, oh, boy, who cares? It wasn't the experience he thought it would be. It was kind of empty. You know, we think that something is going to be amazing, and it turns out to be not really. And uh, sometimes we think that fulfillment will come from the outside, and it doesn't. All right, so this woman goes splat, falls off the stage right in front of him, and he walks away. He just walks away. He sees it, and he walks away. Now, the wife, his wife, seems pretty concerned. Is that his wife, the blonde? Instinctively, as a human being, you're going to want to help. You don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to be a paramedic. You just have to be a person. What is up with this guy? Stafford. I'll tell you what's up with them. These athletes, these heroes, so-called heroes, they're not heroes, but the heroes. These it all goes to their head starting in about the 6th grade. You know to be the best in the NFL, you're probably the best every step of the way. You know, starting in like 6th grade, maybe even earlier, 4th grade. You know what those guys were like, jocks in high school? I mean, not all of them, but yeah, you know. <laughs> A lot of them. They were a certain way, especially the ones who were really, really, really good. Some of them, you know, you can't it just it's almost not their fault. It's the people who put them on ridiculous pedestals for no reason. This guy is literally on a pedestal. He's on a stage. And this photographer, this award winning photographer falls off the stage and she fractures her spine. Her name is Kelly Smiley. Experienced. I can't believe it. 
The stage appeared to be about six feet off the ground. It's unclear whether the quarterback came over to help after she had fallen. Uh, excuse me, it's pretty clear to me. He walks away, and he seems to say, oh, shoot. Fred is on the phone from Brooklyn. Hello. How you doing, Greg? Big fan. I admire what you're doing. Thank you, sir. You, you mentioning Rush today. That was the first I heard of it. I, I didn't realize it's been a year. Hmm. And and what a year. I mean, they, I, I've thought about him so many times. In retrospect, what would he say? What would he be saying this afternoon? What would, what would he be saying during this whole theft and 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 him not being around uh, has been a tremendous loss uh, for the nation, for the world. I, I he changed my life. I I remember getting married in, in 1988. I, I I came off drug problems. I came off uh, some bad things, but I got my first job. I got married. My wife said she was pregnant, and I, and I was getting urges. Man, I life was getting heavy. But having him in the car during my lunch breaks, just the one shine of positivity and consistency, I I mean, I had my trips and falls, but every day he was there. He was my therapist. He was the guy I would listen to as though I was calling him and just checking in. Tremendous loss. I, I, I feel that, that he was that way for so many people. And, and I heard it in your voice that it, uh, he was the same for that, that way for you. Sure was, Fred. Wow, it's uh, it's great to hear. You know, so he's gone, and uh, I'm just so glad that you had him. We all had him. But you know what? Look, there's a little bit of Russian in you. There's a little bit of Russian in me. There's a little bit of Russian in all of us. There's a little bit of Trump in all of us. I said this after the election. You know, Trump is Trump is gone. You know, it's just like, wow. Now it's up to us to keep forging ahead. You know, in some ways it was easy to sit back. I'm not saying life is easy, but it was easy in a way to sit back and watch the Trump show. You know, it was easy for me to watch, you know, Rush Limbaugh push the envelope. He'll do all the work. Now it's up to you, Fred. It's up to me. It's up to Anthony. It's up to everybody. Does that make sense? Yes, I've done the best I could with my two sons. I I hope it transferred. I don't even know to talk politics with anybody. I've been kicked off Twitter. I've been kicked off Facebook. So just... Telling the truth as far as I know. And you know, you you're my new therapist at Rushville. Yeah, I mean, every day I turn on you got the consistency, the honesty, the I hear it in you. I feel it in you. I I, I I'm here for you every day. I'm listening. Wow. Well, Fred, that's that's kind of amazing to hear. I am uh I'm I'm, I'm so grateful and uh it's all to God, you know, he uh, it's all his he is in control, ultimately in control. we got to work this stuff out ourselves. I can't believe that you were kicked off Twitter. You know what? The whole idea that we have to watch what we say. Now, that always kind of applied to broadcasters. Broadcasters got kicked off the air going back decades. You know, Tex Antoine said something horrible. Jimmy the Greek, um, uh, George Allen, remember that whole Makaka thing that he said that was absolutely outrageous? People have been canceled before for saying things that were just totally beyond the pale. But regular people weighing in about politics have to watch what they say? This is not right. This is not America. Uh, and I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not 
laying down. I just, I'm not going along with it. And, uh, Fred, thank you. Let's keep, keep in touch. And, uh, where do you work now? Are you retired? No, I have, uh, actually part of the whole situation was I had a job I didn't like and I would listen to Rush during lunch hour. And a guy came in, he offered me a small position in his construction company. A couple of years later, he retired. I opened up my own thing, and I never stopped. Never stopped and listened to Rush. I built my own life so I can listen to Rush for three hours every afternoon while working. I swear I did. I totally buy it. It totally makes sense to me. It really does. Hey, by the way, did you watch his TV show back in the 90s? I'm sitting in front of a computer listening to you the same way I would have been driving my car or listening or doing whatever I was doing with Russia in the background. It, it, you've transferred into that spot. You filled the void. Well, again, again, Fred, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. But there's absolutely, as you know, as we all know, Trump, he's just he's just a once, once in a thousand year figure, kind of like Trump. But uh, Fred, to be continued. Thank you, sir, very, very much. Hey, uh, uh, tell me. Oh, shoot, he's gone. Uh, we'll we'll pick that up. Hey, he listens all the time. He'll call back. No problem there. Uh, I do want to play that clip of Rush from the TV show, if you don't mind. Hit it. Rush, this just isn't fair. This isn't fair. Let's say that Bill Gates sold his $20 billion of stock in Microsoft, and then his gardener's making $50,000 a year, and Forbes, or, or uh, Gates is paying no tax, and his gardener's paying 50. It just isn't fair. I said, you're looking at this the wrong way. You're always going to be able to take somebody making X and somebody making more than X and compare them and say it's not fair because X makes more. Whatever policy you come up with, folks, unless you confiscate from somebody who has more, is you're never going to be able to equalize outcomes unless you have socialism. And you've got to be very careful. If you think that, that you should try to equalize outcomes with tax policy because you're getting very, very close to socialism, if not full-fledged socialism. Wow. You hear that? How smart? The intellect? Oh, I mean, yes, he was entertaining. Yes, he could do a great Bill Clinton impression. But he knew economics. He knew philosophy. He was just smart, off-the-charts intellect. I don't think he actually graduated from college. And uh, you don't have to, by the way. I think he's mostly self-educated. Uh, maybe a small—I'm not sure about that, but what a man. That was good. Roger Ailes produced all of that. Everybody wants to talk about Rush. Let's see. We got uh, Sandy from Jersey. Hello. How are you? Good. Uh, first, I would like to say that you are a continuation of Rush. I really, truly feel that in my heart. You and Bo Snerdly, let me tell you, have carried me through a very difficult time. I uh, found Rush about 25 years ago. I happened to be in the car. I turned the radio on. I was flipping through the channels. The news went on, and next thing you know, his music went on. And I hear this gentleman talking, and I said, my gosh, he thinks like me. Mm. And I never stopped listening. The reason why I'm calling also is my love for Rush is I've decided to make a small donation to Tunnel for Towers in his memory. And I'd like to reach out to all the people that listen to you and love Rush, however small, make a donation and we could help the, the soldiers, the police, the firemen, whoever need the extra help. We're continuing Rush by making donations and by keeping him in our hearts and in our thoughts. 
Absolutely beautiful. Sandy, thank you. T2T.org, if you want to do that, T2T.org. I ran in the Tunnel to Towers race uh, last September, and it was a lot of fun the second time I did it. Uh, Sandy, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Did you ever call into Rush in all those years? No, I never got through, but I actually was lucky enough to go to New York and see his show. I was in the audience. No kidding. Yeah, that was. I nagged my husband until he took me, and it was what. Actually, I got my husband hooked. He wasn't too interested in Rush, and I kept saying, but just listen for five minutes. And we would be in the car together, and he would put a music station on, and I'd flip it back to WABC when he was on, and next thing you know, he was hooked. He was hooked. He made me laugh. I cried. He educated me. And let me tell you, there's a big hole in my heart, but I know that when I meet the Lord, I'm going to get a chance to meet him, too. What a beautiful moment that will be. I believe it is coming for you. And for me, too. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sandy. Wait, one other thing you made me think of. Oh, the music. You know when the show used to start? Boom, 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 boom. Remember that? The pretenders? Yeah, I, remember, I remember the parodies. The funny parodies. Oh, my gosh, I would be hysterical in the car laughing. The guy next to me probably thought this lady's, you know, bonkers. Yeah. My but, mother uh, had the same uh, fear when she was laughing at Howard Stern. She used to, and she was very self-conscious that somebody would know that she was listening to Howard Stern. Uh, so, uh, Sandy, thank you very much. To be continued, I got to take care of Irene here for a moment. Irene, I know, I don't know if you heard me say earlier, but we're going to take care of this by the end of February, guaranteed. I did hear you, and you made me laugh after making me sad about Rush. So I did hear that. Okay, good. Anything else on your mind other than uh, uh, the holdup in your delivery? Um, No, the last two callers about Rush were great. It's a great segment today. Uh, Nope, I I just had to call you out on that again. No, no problem. I deserve it. You know, uh, we'll talk about Rush. Actually, a year ago today, I interviewed President Trump about Rush. Uh, he wanted to talk about Rush. He gave me a call. We put it on Newsmax. And I also asked him a few other things about, uh, you know, would he run again, that kind of stuff. I can't remember, but the interview made news. It was a, it was a phone call. And Donald Trump, they were close. And, uh, yeah, he appreciated Trump. He appreciated – he's so – he was kind of in awe, but not, not, not in a deferential way. Almost – they were peers. I think they were peers. You know, anyway, Irene, everything else good? Everything else is great. All righty. I'll see you later. I feel like you're rushing me off the phone, and that's good. I got to go anyway. Oh, wait, I got one more. Uh, Andrew and Stanhope. Yo. Hello. Forget it. Uh, Peter in New Jersey. Hey, Craig. Uh, Rush Limbaugh. May God shine his face upon him and keep him. Absolutely. Also, I'd like to uh, compliment you on uh, the late night uh, for Newsmax. You guys like Murderers Row. Uh, Kelly, Stitchfield, and Schmidt is like Ruth, Garrick, and Lazari. And then one last thing I'd like to say is this Black Lives Matter guy who tried to assassinate this Democratic politician that was going to Republican. And that Black Lives Matter bailed him out. What do you say about that? It's pretty wild. He tried to kill somebody on a Friday. He was bailed out on a Monday. It's absolutely incredible. And this young man, whose name is, uh, I think it's Quintez Brown, 18 years old, 
was hailed, was a big-time Black Lives Matter activist. You'd see him on uh, uh, Joy Reid, bad-mouthing Republicans, hating Trump. He was considered a bright, shining light by the Obama Foundation. And here he is. He's accused of trying to kill a Democrat candidate for mayor in Louisville. And Black Lives Matter bails him out. I'm sorry, if you're an alleged attempted murderer, don't we have to keep you in jail for... um, I mean, until the trial, at least. I just don't think there's some. Don't you have to do some time? In, what's the rush? Why get somebody out that quickly who's accused of attempted murder? It is pretty wild. Hey, by the way, Eric Adams just gave a speech. The last thing this guy should be doing is giving a speech. And guess what he's wearing? Uh, he's wearing a suit with a vest. He's wearing a with now a, a double-breasted vest. Um. It's not 1887. What the hell is up with this guy? So into his clothes. Clothes horse. It's nice to wear nice things, but he's gotten carried away. He's thinking about himself too much and not enough about us. Be right back. New York proud. New York loud. With New York attitude. All here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yes, this is Quintez Brown. You'll, uh, I'm going to play. This is Quintez Brown, a young man who allegedly just tried to shoot the Democrat candidate for mayor in Louisville. Uh, but before he took up his uh, apparent career in crime, he was a Black Lives Matter golden boy running around talking about gun control. Cut 32, please. Quintez Brown. Uh, I want to say he's in jail, but I, I wish I could say he's in jail. He's not. He's out on bail already. Uh, two days in the slammer, and he's out. Cut 32. And joining me now is Quintez Brown, president of the Black Student Union at DuPont Manual. It's very hard to feel safe at school, but where I come from, it's, I feel less safe in my community. And so, like, I love how the emphasis is, it's like, this isn't a school safety issue. Like, yeah. this is a school safety issue. This is a gun violence issue because gun violence does not affect schools, but communities, churches, clubs, everywhere. Yep. So at school, and it's very hard to feel safe now because it's like a war zone. Are, are you hearing back from the politicians in your state? Have you started to hear from them? Not from the Republicans. Yeah. John Yarmouth has been a great supporter of us, but yeah. McConnell, where you at? We want common sense gun reform. And if you're not going to give us that, then we're going to get everyone out here to vote, and we're going to vote you out of office. So if you want to keep your job, yeah. then, you know, give us what we, not what we want, but what we need, what humans need. We need yeah. common sense gun reform. Get rid of assault rifles. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It looks like he grabbed himself an illegal gun and he shot up the candidate's office. A man uh, barely escaped with his life. Quintez Brown is accused of firing five shots at the Democrat candidate for mayor of Louisville. And um, (laughs) it's a very serious crime, of course. But he's already out of jail. Was there for less than 48 hours before his friends over at Black Lives Matter, Kentucky, bailed him out. But... It's important that you realize the very strong lessons to be learned from Quintez Brown. Isn't that right, Joy Reid? Cut 33. There's something shameful about it in a way that teenagers have to instruct adults on how to protect them. It is our job as adults to protect you. Uh, And the fact that students have to come out here and demand it, it is sort of sad. The teenagers are teaching the adults, and hopefully we are all listening and absorbing and learning. Yes, you're listening from Quintez Brown, the 18-year-old who doesn't like Republicans. And Trump. 
who uh, likes to shoot people he disagrees with politically. (laughs) It looks like allegedly, of course. Hey, by the way, remember when Eric Adams had his little uh, racial meltdown? Uh, Just to refresh, refresh your memory, cut 19, please. I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me. All right. That's what he wants. You know what? Because he's so frustrated that we're not talking about the issues, the issues that he wants to talk about that are so important. So how is he going to fight crime? He's been talking about he's been running for mayor for a long time, right? His lifelong dream is achieved. And now he's the mayor, and he doesn't want to hear any noise. He wants to hear about the substance, like how we're going to stop crime. And here's the solution. Are you ready? The Summer Youth Employment Program. That'll do it, right? Invented by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But we are reaffirming, reaffirming our commitment to it. Isn't that right, Eric? Cut 23. So today... We brought together this important group of people to talk about another piece of my administration. Our summer youth employment is crucial. We are reaffirming uh, our commitment to our young people in the city of New York. Wow. All these new interesting ideas from 1938. New interesting ideas. That Bill de Blasio, up until now the worst mayor ever, it looks like he might be replaced soon. Bill de Blasio, less than a year ago, was talking about the same crap. Cut 24. The summer youth anti-violence employment effort. This has been an effort to ensure that young people who are at risk uh, get opportunities for summer youth employment, get steered in the right direction. You know, it's a disgrace that these guys take paychecks. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. What the hell's going on in Ukraine? Enough already. <laughs> I got plans. I don't want to deal with that. Uh, am I worried? Not really. All right. Seriously, we all have our own problems. I. Uh, this would not be happening, though, right now, if Donald Trump were in the Oval Office. It would not be. Why is Vladimir Putin jerking the entire planet around? Because he can, because we are weak, because Joe Biden lost in Afghanistan. He is not only a poor decision maker, he's a poor leader. He's also physically weak. That's part of it. That's part of it. You got to be a tough guy. You got to look like a tough guy. You can't be a guy who looks like he's about to fall over. And that's what he looks like. Who knows the Star Trek? Remember Captain Pike after he got belted with all that radiation and he was in that special wheelchair and he could only say yes or no with the little blinking lights? That's what he looks like, Captain Pike. Poor Captain Pike. Although I'm very glad that he got back to go to uh, Talos 4 with that hot girl and live happily ever after, aren't you? Right? Now, are you reassured by this? Let's see. uh... (laughs) Half the time I'm hearing, okay, it's no big deal. They're pulling troops back. And then uh, the Bidens come up with, oh, no, oh, no, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to happen any second now. Cut 12, please. We're in the window where we believe an attack could come at any time, uh, and that would be preceded by a fabricated pretext that the Russians use as an excuse to launch an invasion. I don't know. 
I, I, I would, I, she should not be working. She should not be representing the executive branch of the country. Do you think so? Seriously, that's like somebody, I just, let me hear, let's see this. Here's a cut 11, same woman, Jen Psaki. I just don't think she knows what she's talking about. Cut 11. There's, you know, what Russia says and there's what Russia does. And we're watching very closely uh, what steps they're taking. But they remain amassed in a threatening way at the border. I think she should be working at a magazine, you know, like New York magazine. Yeah, work at a magazine. This is not uh, this is not for you, Jen. This is not for you. Hey, but I want to keep it local because, hey, guess what? No more homelessness because Eric said so. Eric said so. Cut 14. I'm moving to getting those who are living on the streets the support they need. Uh, We're ending the era of tents. We're ending the era of sleeping on our subway system uh, with all your belongings. That era has ended in the city. But at the same time, we want to have additional help and giving people the mental mental health that they need. I'm sorry, man. This guy does not have the intellectual furniture to be mayor. All right. It's like we grab. It's like we grabbed some homeless guy and said, "Okay, you're the mayor. I mean, it's just and how are we going to do these things, Eric? Huh? Keep keep talking about the uh, this era is over and it all begins and we're cleaning up the streets. How are you going to do that? Here's his great big idea. Twenty four. The summer youth anti-violence employment effort. Yeah. This has been an effort to ensure that young people who are at risk uh, get opportunities for summer youth employment get steered in the right direction. Okay, thank you. Right out of the de Blasio administration playbook. That was in April of 2021. Eric Adams says, oh, geez, what the hell am I actually going to do? Oh, no. You mean I can't just hang out at the sushi restaurant and wear sunglasses and get glowing profile in the New York Times and talk about uh, Zen Buddhism and vegan stuff? I got to do something? Okay. Oh, where, 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 what, did, what, did, what did de Blasio do? I got to cut 23. Here he goes. So today we brought together this important group of people to talk about another piece of my administration. Peace. Our summer youth employment is crucial. We're reaffirming uh, our commitment oh, gosh, to our right, young no, people. Reaffirming the commitment to the young people. We got to... Cr- <laughs> it's sad, but it's also kind of funny, right? It's sad, but it's a little bit funny at the same time. Um, seriously, I don't want there to be a war. I want there to be peace. I also want... Joe Biden to acknowledge all of his grandchildren. How many grandchildren does Joe have? Well, let's ask Joe. Cut 31. How many of you have been unable to hug your grandkids in the last seven months? I got six of them. Wrong. You've got seven of them. You've got seven of them. Hunter had a child with a girl named London Roberts. Seems like a very nice girl. They met. She's a dancer, was a dancer, met at a club, a dance, certain type of dance club in Washington, D.C. And Hunter uh, was temporarily interested in London Roberts. 10, 20 minutes. I don't know how long it took, but uh, and then uh, Hunter was done. He moved on quick. And she goes back to Arkansas and has a baby. Hunter won't return her calls. Hunter wants nothing to do with her. And that baby is Hunter's. 
as was established by a paternity test. So when the president says he has six grandchildren, he's wrong. Now, every family has issues, right? But he is the president. He has the means to not have made this girl go through, jump through all those hoops, don't you think? This could have been handled out of court. But now this is, I get, what's the word? What do we use? I don't like illegitimate. I don't like, I don't like those. This is a human being, beautiful human being. And Joe doesn't either. There are six stockings in the White House for all six of Joe's grandchildren, not the seventh. They're not going to talk about that. What are they going to talk about? These people will put a, they'll talk about it when they have to. For instance, when Hunter started hooking up with his brother's wife, On the way home from the funeral, they had to talk about that when it became public. And what did they say? Now, that is a scandal that would tear apart any family, right? That's horrible. Yes, every family's got stuff. But wow. You go through something like that and you turn around and you run for the president. And the media says, well, we'll leave it on page six. Oh, we're not going to. What in the hell kind of people are these? Remember Joe Pesci and Goodfellas? <laughs> what kind of people are those? They wouldn't let Henry go out and gamble all night long. What in the... <laughs> What kind of people are they? Joe Pesci. So uh, they put out a statement saying, uh, again, Hunter Biden is fooling around with Bo Biden's wife, his brother, Bo, sacred Bo. It's always all about Bo. Amazing Bo. I'm sure he was a great guy. And he didn't deserve his legacy to be tarnished by his brother fooling around with his wife, the widow, the widow. Just crazy stuff. And Hunter was married. And you, you, you just don't run for public office when you got this kind of stuff going on. Unless you're the Bidens and you run for public office to be protected because you're involved up to your neck in criminality. And I think that's true. You listen to Rudy Giuliani. Anyway, Joe and Jill put out a statement how they couldn't be happier that Hunter and Haley, again, the widow of Bo, found each other during this difficult time. And that they're helping each other through it all. I mean, come on, huh? This guy, he'll lie about it. Lying comes very easy to him, actually. You can look that up. I talked about it on the TV show last night. Now, is it, do I take pleasure in it? No, but it's important. You know what? I am sick and tired of people, famous people, small people, big tech, others telling me and you what the hell we can talk about. I, this is still America, ma'am, as my friend Tatiana Ibrahim pointed out at that school board meeting. And God bless those people who are still showing up at those school board meetings because they are... There are there are warriors. They are our defenders right now. Hey, I'd have to think really long and hard before telling anybody to join the military. And I would never tell anybody to join the military. I might. My policy on that is um, you can't be talked into joining the military. All right. I was in for nine years. Great decision. It worked out for me. But I was in another era. 
when I went to OCS, believe it or not, gosh, how old am I? Uh, Ronald Reagan was president. And then George H.W. Bush in my early years. And then Clinton. I got out off of active duty in the year 2000. Then I stayed in the reserves until uh, about 2012 or so. And uh, you can't be talked into joining the military. But you know what? I might talk somebody out of joining the military. Because it's like woke central now. All this nonsense about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those words sound nice. But the military shouldn't be consumed with that kind of stuff. The military was kind of automatically diverse. It was a wonderful reflection of America. They had friends from all walks of life. But we were bonded by the uniform, the flag. It sounds corny. And now I got General Milley telling his senior officers in public saying, make friends with somebody who doesn't look like you. That's that's the new code for somebody who's of another race. God forbid you think two people of the same race look like each other. That'll get you canceled, too. Be careful with that one. Hey, what the hell does Duke want to say from Jersey, uh, the Jersey Shore? Duke, hello. Hello. I want to talk about uh, mental health in New York City. Didn't de Blasio's wife lose a bunch of million dollars that was supposed to go to mental health? Yes, yes. I just wondered if anybody, uh, you know, investigated that. Thrive NYC. I got a little note here. You said de Blasio's wife stealing. I thought he stole somebody's wife. I think you're, you're talking about, yeah, Sherlane McRae and that silly... Uh, Thrive NYC program. Uh, I, I think $1.2 billion designated for the mental health of homeless, uh, giving them yoga lessons and the like, meditation services. It was a great big fiasco. And I hope the U.S. attorney, any honest, ethical, committed to the law, United States attorney should be looking into that. It's amazing, by the way, de Blasio was not indicted. And I think why he wasn't is because Preet Bharara, whatever his name, former U.S. attorney for the Southern District, uh, a man not without talent, but his ambition, he's got more ambition than talent. And that was not the thing to do in the Democrat Party. Oh, I got this to say. One more thing. Uh, prediction. Adams will not make it four years. Democrats are starting to wake up. They're taking a look at this guy, and they realize he is a major liability. This ain't going to last. Be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative talk for New York. Streaming now on your smart speakers. Play 77 WABC. Does anybody remember in the 1970s, uh, sex change surgery was kind of a big deal. People talked about it a lot. Um, it wasn't widely done. Renee Richards, uh, remember the tennis player? And let's see, there was a movie featuring Robert Reed, Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch, uh, was a man and wanted to be a woman. And uh, it was a TV movie of the week. And they made that happen. And okay, great. Uh, if it works for you, uh, uh, Mr. Brady, that's fine. But, you know, they weren't talking about it in first grade. Although I think I was in the first grade when I saw that movie. But I saw it on television. I didn't learn about it at Schubert School in Baldwin, New York. And I got all these crazy videos. It's funny. 
I can't talk about the November 2020 election, although I can and I will and I do. They don't want me to. It's one of the reasons why my followers are going down on social media. Hmm? Isn't that interesting? Goes up a couple of that, then it comes down. I don't. It's just a sign. It's just a little sign. And things I put up gets their warning. Warning. This contains questionable information. Oh, really? Who the hell's questioning it? The deputy editor of the dispatch. What the hell is the dispatch? Who the hell is the deputy editor? And what the freaking are you doing in my media feed? Huh? You can read it. You can like it. You can dislike it. But you're putting warning labels on my stuff? Warning labels. Who the hell are they? And this has scared a lot of good people. Not everybody's built like you and me. You know? I am more scared of not speaking up, of not pushing back. Because going along with the mob, who the hell wants life in the mob? Eventually, the mob, they start, you know, the battle turns within. They start canceling out each other. They they do that. A lot of people think you'll be safe if you just go along with it and join the mob. That's safety. You'll need the bad man, right? What's that? Who's that? Uh, Scarface. Oh, the Dino, real quick. So what is up with this silly quarterback? Everybody can look at it, not to plug. Well, actually, I don't tweet like I used to. The New York Post had the story. And the let's go, Mike. It's your turn. Um, My turn. Yeah. So, Mike, who is this quarterback and how could it be so heartless? I see a girl fall right in front of him off of a stage. She breaks her spine in half and he walks away. He sees the whole thing. His wife is there, has a human reaction. Oh, my God. Comes to the woman's aid. This quarterback that you like so much because you're a big, you know, these guys are so great and amazing in your eyes, walks away. What the hell's going on? So based on the clip that I saw, he seemed boozed up, probably was drinking all day. Uh, girl was recording him and his wife. Now, wait a second. Stop. What makes you what? You, look, he's making excuses for him already. What makes you think he's uh, been boozed up? It looked like a glass of water. He was holding. He looked like a little sports drink. I didn't. That wasn't a cocktail. No, he was drinking. They were smoking some cigars. They showed him drinking some Bud Lights. And then um, Tom Brady also tweeted at him because if you remember last year, Tom Brady got super drunk during the Super Bowl parade as well. So wait a second. So he's drunk. So he walks away because he's drunk. That's that. That's the excuse. It's not an excuse, but it seemed like he just... He's a dirtbag. And these guys, most of your little heroes, they're all screwed up in the head. All right? Either from playing football, which will break your head, or from all the adulation that you and your friends have been heaping on these guys since they were 12 and you were 6. Matt Stafford's a good guy. Now, that clip... Says who? Says me. No, wait, wait, wait. Have you ever met him? I've never met him. So how, you've well, never how met him know either. This? Yeah, this is my introduction to him. I've seen enough. <laughs> he, a woman falls, breaks her spine in half. Any human being, like his wife, responds like the way you're the way we're built. I don't care if you're drunk or not. Yeah. <laughs> so why would you walk away? I'm sure he'll speak on why he did that. Today. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. The NFL is giving him talking points. The NFL will. Uh, Coach him, you know, and his lawyers, image coach. They're having meetings right now. We we estimate that if you wait 36 hours and say nothing and then tweet something, our algorithms show that this story will die in approximately 78.2 days. That's what they're, they're business people. And you're a schmuck 
for going along with this nonsense. I mean it, Mike. Enough. It's time to grow up. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Who cares? The Democrat Party is having uh, a convention in New York State. The state, who cares? Uh, Going to start calling Mike DiDino uh, Baba Bowie. Giving him the Howard Stern treatment there, you know? It actually, I can see how he got into that habit, to be honest. Mike, are you okay? I didn't mean to call you a schmuck. Um, not No, I, did, I didn't. I mean, I did say it, but I didn't mean it. I, you know, I mean, it wasn't from the bottom of my heart. It was off the top of my head. Yeah, I'll survive. No hurts. No! no. Hurts <laughs> Wait a second. Um, but uh, bottom line, you got to admit, when it comes to football, I've seen this before. This is kind of like politics. You know those nerdy Washington uh, Steve Kornacki types who watch everything that happens in politics, right? Every little detail, right? You need a guy from the outside to come in and like kind of connect the dots. And those guys, they're all always talking to each other. I mean, you talk football. I don't understand what the hell's going on. You talk it at a level, you know, with all those WFAN guys and uh, those barstool sports guys. I'm talking to you, Mike. And whereas, you know, you kind of get lost in the weeds sometimes. And I come from outfield there and I'm like, hey, wait a second. What about this? And you're like, that's a good point. Fair? I just don't think we'll ever agree. You you despise sports and I love sports. I don't so. despise sports. I despise, uh, well, I despise almost everything that goes with it. The adulation, the money. Hey, when's the last time you paid for your own tickets to go to a game? The last time right, right, I paid? Yeah, the last time you bought the, or, or took a family to a game. It is a multi-thousand dollar venture now. It's insane. The money turned me off. And I'll tell you what else turned me off. Baseball reorganization, which I think happened in the mid-90s. What the hell are we doing with the the central, the, the what do you call it, the, uh, the, the blackjack, the wild card? It's stupid. Blackjack. It's stupid. You know it's stupid. What's stupid about it? The the worst team in base. Everybody gets into the playoffs. That Basically, are... everybody gets into the playoffs. The same in hockey. So you can... Everybody gets into the playoffs. The playoffs last forever. Doesn't mean anything. You got one team, like, in Atlanta was in the Western Division. Remember that? Are they still in the Western Division, or do they fix that? Uh, what sport are you talking about? Uh, what am I talking about? Baseball. <laughs> yes, Atlanta's in the NL East. Oh, it's in the East finally. No, for a long time they were in the West. Yeah. I think they fixed that 20 years ago. But whatever. I, my grievances are very valid. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll leave it at that, I guess. You don't – but come on. you got to admit, I think sometimes you're too close to it. Like you're, you're, you're reluctant to dime out these athletes. Why? Do you think they want to be friends with you? Do you think they're listening to you? Do you think – well, actually, that's true. These guys are very sensitive. I've seen Michael Strahan yell at reporters in the locker room. And, you know, you guys have to worry about how they see you, right? How they view you, their opinion of you, right? I think some athletes you, – you're you're putting all athletes into a group that pretty much all athletes are bad people when I don't think that's true. No, I would just say as far as the NFL, probably 70% of them. I think that's 70 astronomically high. Take a look. Take a look at the rest reports. Just look at what happened. Hey, I'll tell you who my favorite football player is. And I've met him a couple of times. I guess who it is, because I bet you I know. You don't know. All right, guess. It's, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, the running back. Oh, Herschel Walker. Great. This is why, no. Plaxico Burris. Plax? Shot yes. himself. 
I know. And you know what was really weird and crazy about that case? So Dick Cheney shoots a guy in the face, right? He's the vice president of the United States. Two, one hour later, he's back being vice president. No big deal, right? He shoots a guy in the face, and nothing happens to him. Whereas Plaxico Burris accidentally shoots himself in the foot, and he goes to jail for a year. I mean, is that a little bit nuts when you think about it? Now, Plax, I don't know if he ever got it. I sent, I told him I was going to, and I, I, a holster would have saved the whole thing. You know, he was putting it in his sweatpants, the elastic of his sweatpants. So he actually went to jail for shooting himself into club. And um, these guys should avoid clubs, by the way. But anyway, Plax is one of my favorite. And I was on a big campaign about free Plax because I don't like what happened to him or how it happened to him. What do you think of that? Have you ever met him? Yes, I have. Nice oh, guy. Really? When did nice you meet guy. Him? Oh, I don't know. Twenty eleven, something like that. He was on the Giants when you met him. I think he was on the Jets. Oh yeah, he was on the Jets after the Giants. Are you teasing? You, 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 you look at this guy. He's he's t- he's testing me now. He's quizzing me. All right, thank you. Goodbye, Baba Bowie. Goodbye. I'll put him on the air in another six months. Remind me not to put him on. He's got an attitude already. He's got a little bit of an attitude. You could feel it. I could sense it. What's with the attitude? I sense it. Ed, uh, Ed in Staten Island, what's up? Yeah, how are we doing? Uh, I think I, I have an idea, and I think you could work on it. Uh, you know how to take down all the statues, the Confederate statues, and move and everything? Yeah. Why don't we start honoring the police? Let's put statues back in place of the former police officers that were executed. Well... We do have a beautiful police memorial right now in Lower Manhattan. Have you ever been there? Uh, say that again, please. We have a beautiful police memorial in Lower Manhattan in Battery Park City. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, we have a really nice one right now. I don't know. Uh, and by the way, some of these Civil War statues, they're in kind of like random locations. Like, you know, they're just not, you know, let's face it, they were neglected. It's a nice thought you have. Pratt, I don't know if... Uh, you know, I, I really like the memorial we have for the cops in Lower Manhattan and all the names of those lost. Gosh, you should see what happens when you get to, you know, 9-11. You know, what is it? Uh, uh, 23 police officers, 37 Port Authority, 343 firefighters. And, and that number keeps going up because of 9-11 related illnesses. So, yeah, no, it's an interesting thought. But I really like the memorial we have. Perhaps other cities don't have what we have. Uh, but thank you, Ed. Uh, thanks, man. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'll think about that. Um, yeah, not a bad idea. Uh, Bobby in Manhattan. Hello. Oh, shoot. Bobby, I can't hear you. Uh, Anthony in Eastchester. Hi. Hi, Greg. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'd like to talk about uh, Mayor Eric Adams for a mm, moment. Sure. Um, you know, this guy comes on, he says he wants the editorial boards to look more like him. And uh, what, what I don't understand is why he's an educated man. He's not some uh, underprivileged kid in the, uh, in, in, you know, living somewhere that, you know, people don't have to look like him. I have to look like him. I don't understand. Why don't we understand his? No, uh, uh... Oh, are you kidding? Listen to him. He's uh, he was homeless. He was beat up by cops. Yeah, everything bad happened to him. He's uh uh, you got to see things from his prism. You can't see things from his prism. What a loser. What a loser. You say educated man. He doesn't sound that educated to me, quite frankly. Sorry, but, you know, it, 
right? I, I, I don't see that. And by the way, why is this interesting? He thinks this is really special. So Carl Hasty is uh, black. Uh, a lot of the Albany leaders happen to be black. I don't think that's a big deal, but he does. Cut 21, please. People raised the issues that they had, and we talked. Black man, black speaker, black majority leader, coming together and talking to each other. Wow. Like, that's special. That's really special, huh? <laughs> who cares? He thinks this is—he thinks he's the first black man who ever existed. I don't understand what why this is special. Anyway, thank you. Wait a second. Uh oh, John is in Neptune, New Jersey. Yes. Hello, Mr. Greg Kelly. How you doing? Good. Uh, the question is: With uh, liking uh, Dick Cheney to Plaxico Burris, is Dick Cheney was quail hunting? Yeah, I know. You can carry a gun in the field. And uh, Plaxico was carrying a gun in a nightclub. Yeah, I know all that. I just found it wild, all right? It's pretty wild. You got to admit, shooting somebody in the face, whether you're quail hunting or, you know, shooting yourself in a club. By the way, I think the laws should be a bit more permissive for legal law-abiding people to carry guns in New York, all right? If you're Plaxico Burris, maybe he needed a gun. I don't think he had to go to the nightclub that night. You know, if I'm Plax and I'm an athlete and I got millions of dollars, I don't know if I'm hanging out in that club. But I know, I know about the law, but I think our laws here are a little bit uh, out of whack. Here's the thing. I do a lot of bird hunting, you know, quail and pheasant. And sometimes you get sprayed with the shot. It's uh, basically the shells are used for quail and pheasant hunting are a series of little pellets. Yeah. And... Uh, depending where you are in the woods, in the fields, wherever you are, you get sprayed. So it isn't like something that's like uh, a, 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 like horrendous. Yeah, uh, this was pretty horrendous, man. I don't know how many pellets or birdshot hit that guy, but a lot to keep him in the hospital for a couple of days. Can't remember his name, uh, Robert or somebody like that. Uh, Harry. Harry was the guy's name. Harry, his friend Harry. Did you see that guy after Dick Cheney shot him? He was not good. Did not look good. Now, I, I know you're responsible, and I know you know how to do it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do it, but it's a little bit, uh, is it ironic that the vice president shoots his friend in the face, no questions asked, and poor Plax shoots himself in the foot. He goes to jail for a year. Do you find any kind of inconsistency with that? Here's the thing. Both incidents, okay, shows carelessness. Yeah. You know, bottom line, it's carelessness. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we're taught hunter safety, okay? You're not, you're not supposed to shoot at anything you don't know the background of in case there's people behind it. Mm. But it's, I don't think it's as severe as carrying a handgun in a club. I, I just but, find it it's, I, it's severe. Handgun, look, uh, you got to admit, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I can't believe it. Plaques. Free plaques. Now he's got a record and all that stuff. Hey, I want you to be able to hunt birds, quail, although that's not my thing. It's not my thing. I have a bit of a superstition about shooting anything that flies, actually. A friend of mine shot a bird with a BB gun right in front of me. He was just, did you do that? Oh, boy. And we were adults. We were, like, in our early 20s, and he just shot a bird right in front of me. He had a BB gun. And guess what? We were both in flight school. He failed out of flight school. I'll never forget it. It's like, oh, boy, I think that was like, I mean, I'm not, I, I know that. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think, I, that's not my, I'm not going to do that. 
I'll shoot anything else, but I, I but not a bird. Uh, Don in New York has one thing to say about Rush. Hello, Greg. Big fan. I want to salute you on all the uh, work you've done on the election and also January 6th uh, before talking about Rush. And um, I've actually segued uh, over to Rush uh, from, sorry, from Rush to your show uh, in his, you know, his sad absence. As far as Rush, uh, he did not complete college. You were right. He did not know he was getting the medal uh, that night. He knew he was going to get the Medal of Freedom, but he did not know, according to him, is what he said on his show, that he was going to get it that night. And uh, finally, about Rush, uh, my feeling is, after listening for 27 years, basically five days a week, uh, most of the show every day, I uh, I lost the best friend that uh, I never met. Wow, what a way to put it. A best friend that you never met. I understand. I understand, Don. Wow. Wow. I can't believe I got to meet him. <laughs> I uh, I got to meet him. And uh, I was... I. So, Don, that's that's really something. Are you driving right now? Is that where you listened uh, in the car? I was, I was, I've been on the hold for a long time, but I, I, I had to leave to go to an appointment, and, I'm uh, yeah, I'm driving. All right. Well, uh, sorry um, about that. No, 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 not at all. I was just uh, curious about, you know, there's a connection with people on the radio. You know, I remember, do you remember Tony Snow? He filled in for Rush a bunch. Yes. And yeah, he I do did, remember. Right, yes. the late Tony Snow. And, you know, when I finally, I got to know Tony pretty well, actually. When I first met him, I realized... When I hear something on the radio that makes an impact or doesn't make an impact, whatever, I almost I remember exactly where I was when I heard it. And I remember the first time I heard that EIB music, excellence in broadcasting, you know, the Rush intro. I was on the that bridge that goes between Delaware and New Jersey, the Delaware Memorial Bridge. It's the first time I became really aware of Rush Limbaugh, and I listened to him all the way down to Quantico, Virginia. Uh, although by the time I got through Maryland, I think the show was over. It was such great stuff. I And, and yeah, radio, it's so intimate. It's so special. Uh, Don, thanks a lot. Drive safe. Be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right, folks, Google Durham, D-U-R-H-A-M, like Bull Durham, like the football team, like uh, the state capital, right? Durham, North Carolina. Wait a second. That's not the capital. What is? Raleigh. Raleigh. Sorry about that. Hey, whatever happened to our caller from Raleigh? You know, every now and then somebody gets hit by a car. We don't hear from them again. Uh, I hope she's okay. We haven't heard from her in a long time. Uh, then again, maybe she just, uh, found somebody she likes better. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So, uh, we'll see. In the meantime, you got to get your hands on a copy of the Durham pleading. It's formally called, it's a filing, it's a pleading, whatever the hell it is. Uh, It's not an indictment. It's a heads up to the judge about the case against a lawyer who was doing work for Hillary Clinton. It's 13 pages long. You got to get your hands on this stuff. And read it. You'll know more than the fake news. They're not going to tell you about it. It's dynamite stuff. It's it's fun to go to the source. And by the way, Fox News, you know, hey, we all we're conservatives. We like each other. But Fox has been blowing it on this one. All right. They've been getting some basic things wrong. 
And when you get basic things wrong, you're you're vulnerable to attack from the left. And that's what's been going down. And also going down, Eric Adams. You can't stand. I'm sorry, but uh, we have our limits here. So, you know, he had that racist rant, borderline racist rant in front of everybody. Oh, you're giving me such hard coverage because I'm a black man and you don't see things from my perspective. A lot of people thought it was racist. But ah, did he did they actually did Eric Adams use the word racist? Did he actually call the white reporters racist? That's what he's seizing on. Uh, Let's see. Here he is trying to defend himself last night. Cut 35. Eric Adams. You came up and you called the press for racist in a six minute speech. What did you expect? I don't recall one time saying the press corps was racist. Not once. I want you to go back and listen to what I said yesterday. Okay, I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. Thank you. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see if we use this. Racist, racist, racist. You tell me. I think this is... uh, that's 28. Cut 28. This comes pretty damn close. That we have, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman, that's the speaker, or Jermani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities, it's not what we're getting. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah, he's playing the race card. You're playing the race card uh, there. Now you're now you're trying to be Clinton-esque, but you're not as smart as Clinton. Okay. The definition of what the word is is you don't know when to use the word is and when to use the word are. I've noticed that about the way you speak. Let me hear more about from his uh, little defense there. Cut thirty-five. Skip through all that uh, echoey stuff if you can, and. Uh, <laughs> You see this last in four years? I don't see it last in four years. I'm sorry. He's not smart enough. He doesn't have the political skill, and he doesn't have the governmental administrative skill. Go ahead. I don't recall one time saying the press corps was racist. Not once. I want you to go back and listen to what I said yesterday. We just did. And see if I use the term racist at all. I want you to do that. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Oh. When you hear something comes from my mouth, Mm -hmm. you use the predisposition of your life to interpret what I say. Uh And then when I express something based on my observation, it's called a rant. Eric is ranting. Like you are right now. I am trying to help you, Nolan. I want you to grow. I want you to be kinder. I want you to be emotional intelligence, not to feel that everyone is trying to attack you. You want to be, he wants you to be emotional intelligence. And ask them what are their feelings in your institution. Let them tell you. Don't listen to me. Let them tell you what they're saying. Is this guy auditioning for nursery school? Racist. That has never come out of my mouth. But since you heard me say something that you didn't agree with, you interpreted it for me. I'm sure you didn't think I was saying the press corps was racist. Now, where could a guy like Nolan have learned to play the race card, huh? <laughs> this guy is something else. How dare you play the race card? That's my card. Not that Nolan was really playing the race card. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Listen, I'm sorry. Robert, Rich, Tommy, Mike, Jeff, Ciro, Eric, Rachel, Wendy, and the rest. I got to go across the street and take care of the... Uh, 
Oh, uh, I got to take care of the situation in uh, at Newsmax. So I will be back tomorrow. Wait, am I back tomorrow? I think I'm. Uh, I'll let you know about that. I'll get back to you on that. It's President's Day weekend. I was thinking about taking the Friday off and making it a four day weekend. We'll see about that. All right, take care, everybody, and thank you, Rush Limbaugh. Thank you, sir.